Hello, my name is Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. Welcome to my Built to Thrive podcast. And all this week, we're looking at happiness. And today, I want to help you understand a part of your brain that may be getting in the way of your path to happiness. Now, I spoke earlier this week about some of the problems that arise when we overly link happiness to money or status symbols or having lots of material goods. And I want to come back to that idea today from a slightly different approach to talk about the idea of success. So take a moment to ask yourself, what do you immediately think of when you think of success? Is it having more money, more power, a job promotion? Or do you maybe think about the success of someone who you consider to being at the top of their tree, perhaps a sports star, an actor, or another celebrity who appears to have it all? Now, I'm sure you don't need me to remind you that being successful is not the same as being happy, but the truth is for all of us, it's a really easy myth to believe, and I think we all do it from time to time. I remember as a kid, I used to love Tiger Woods, and if I'm honest, I still do. I think for me, he was just someone I really, really looked up to, and his golf and his competitive nature, whatever it was as a kid, I loved it. I thought he was incredible. But then what happens later on in life? You know, Tiger has had some well-known problems. So I'm not here to judge Tiger. It's not up to me, frankly, to judge another human being. But I think when you understand Tiger's upbringing and his childhood, it's really easy to see why he potentially has had some of the issues that he has had. He was schooled to be the best golfer in the world since he was basically coming out of his mother's womb. You know, reports say that his dad would shout racist abuse at him when he was five or six at the range to train him to say, hey, son, when you're older, you're going to get this. You need to be able to ignore it and focus on your golf. Right? So yes, he was trained to be this elite assassin golfer, and he was. But at the same time, it looks as though he struggled in other parts of his life. And I think that's one of the big problems we have in society when we worship people we worship one aspect of them, but if we want to worship them in many ways, we have to worship every aspect of them. And I guess if we talk about Tiger Woods, so many people have historically worshipped Tiger or certainly idolised him. And really, what relevance does that have to our day-to-day -day life? I mean, I can look at Tiger's golf and go, oh, wow, I want to play like him. But not only do I not have Tiger's talent, I don't have eight hours a day to practice. So it really has very little relevance for my life. The other thing is, we focus on that one side of him. We don't look at the inner torment that he's spoken about, that he's faced through much of his life and his career. Right? So I think this is an issue for many of us when we worship people. And I've got to say, these days, as I feel much happier and more content with my life, I've reshaped what I think about heroes. These days, I wouldn't say I worship anyone in particular, but I really look up to my father-in-law, right? My father-in-law is someone who I have never seen raise his voice. He's always calm and he has the most gorgeous smile that lights up the entire room. Now that has much more relevance to my own life. Yesterday, when I was talking about core happiness, I spoke about alignment, didn't I? You know, and this comes down to us spending a bit of time on our values. What are our true core values? Well, one of mine is kindness and compassion. And I see that in droves with my father-in-law. So that's a much more, I guess, appropriate hero for me than let's say Tiger Woods. And I'd encourage you to have a think about that in your own way. You know, who do you potentially idolize in your life? Is it relevant? 
Do you really want to be like them? I think something that's related to that is something that I've written about in the book that I call the once brain. Now, there's a part of your brain that scientists call the system of desire. Now, it actually operates on what we call midbrain dopamine circuits, and it's extremely powerful. And the reality is, is that it came into existence at a time when foods and other resources were often scarce. Right? So it motivates us to compete with other people and grab as much for ourselves and for our family as we can. It's not interested in our happiness. It makes us think that if we behave in a way that we maximize our chances of survival. Now, this is the system that I call the once brain. It's that part of you that is utterly convinced that a slab of chocolate, a bigger television, or a promotion at work is going to make you happy. And it tells you this over and over again. Now, research has shown that actually this is not the case. The things that the want brain sells us as fun, such as eating chocolate, watching telly, buying more things, actually leave us feeling less motivated, less confident, and more depressed. And I think this is what many of us are fighting against, our want brain, but also society's conditioning. And as I write about in the first chapter of my book, I'm convinced that it was want brain thinking that actually killed my dad. You know, dad came over to the UK in the 1960s from India. He's a doctor. He came here searching for a better life. And there was all kinds of pressures on dads. But dad basically worked, worked, and worked. He was a consultant at Manchester Warren Infirmary. He did his day job. But for three to four nights a week for 30 years, he would work at night as well. So he only slept three nights a week for 30 years. And of course, that had a huge impact on his well-being, but also the fact that he ended up getting sick when he was 58 with lupus and kidney failure. So I know the impacts of want brain thinking. I've seen it in my own family's life, of course, in my dad's life, but I've also seen it in many of my patients. Tomorrow, I'm going to walk you through some of my most effective exercises that are going to help you start to redefine success and happiness. But for today... I just want you to have a think about when does your want brain kick into gear? Is it when you see an advert for a product that looks like it might improve your life? Is it when you find yourself reaching for a sweet treat? Or is it when you spend a bit of time on social media? And ask yourself, are these things really going to strengthen your core happiness that we spoke about in a little bit of detail yesterday? Or are they in fact going to leave you feeling a little emptier in exchange for a moment's fun. That's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with some actionable tips on how you can start to improve your levels of core happiness. I'll see you then.